All right, so Acts 19, we're going to break this chapter into two uh, studies. Um, so I uh, entitled this morning's uh, sermon, What Did You Receive? And you'll see why uh, as we get into this passage this morning. But before we jump into Acts 19, um, I want to share with you a cute article I found at the Boston Globe. Uh, my cousin's in town today. Uh, Rachel and Josh, you guys live in Cape Coral. That's, it's by Fort Myers, right? Yeah. yeah, so they're up here for a reason. Irma just came through. Praise God their house lived. <laughs> um, they'll be headed back this next week. Um, but they also lived in Boston. I don't know if you grabbed the Boston Globe when you lived out there. You did. Awesome. You may have seen this article then because it was a few years back. Uh, but it carried a daily column. Uh, designed to answer readers' uh, queries, and they listed 10 unanswerable questions in this article. And I just want to share one of them with you. And here's, here's what it was. It says, I am nine years of age. I have a cat that eats regularly and needs to go on a diet. He also eats mice when he's out. How many calories are in a mouse? That's the question. <laughs> It's like, seriously? That's so cool. <laughs> you know? um, so some questions are difficult to answer. Would you guys agree? If you guys have kids, you know what I'm talking about. My kids are already smarter than I am. I'm just like, really? I don't know. <laughs> you know. But there's just questions that there are in life that are just difficult to answer. But also, some are difficult to ask. And this morning, we're going to have to ask some difficult questions. Both eternal life in our life here on earth, really come down to having right answers. That's all that matters. Did we get it right or not? So, but most questions, people just don't want to question, okay, or ask when it comes to the things that really matter. They don't want to talk about those things. Had a rummage sale yesterday, okay, I got to talk to two or three people about things of the Lord, you know, which were fun. But in that, I had one guy, uh, he brought up, I don't know if you guys heard about the uh, man who was killed at the race the other night here in Kakana. You know, bummer and stuff. And I don't know if it's true or not. He didn't know if it's true or not. But the guy that hit him committed suicide. Don't know if it's true or not. But a conversation like that comes up, well, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> you know? Well, let's talk about what happens after a person dies. What really matters. And he told me that's personal. I don't want to talk about that. You know, so there's just some questions in life and things people just don't want to talk about. They don't want to question. They don't want to know what's right. What is the answer? So let me help with five questions this morning that we find in the first 20 verses of Acts chapter 19. The first being, what baptism did you receive? The second, what training did you receive? Thirdly, what gift did you receive? Fourth, what Jesus did you receive? And fifthly, what freedom did you receive? Would you guys say those are pretty good questions to consider in this lifetime? Absolutely. And this passage is going to do that for you and I this morning. So before we jump in here, I want to look uh, at the theme, which is taken from verse 3, and I'm going to read it real quick from the NIV. It puts it this way, then what baptism did you receive? Okay, so that's the first one that's going to be addressed. So let's go back. We'll pick it up in verse 1. For you guys who are newer to freedom, I teach from the New King James Version. So if you're trying to figure out what version does it use, it's a New King James. Uh, verse 1 says this, 
And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him, Jesus, the Messiah, who would come after him. That is, Jesus Christ. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit had come upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. So Ephesus in Asia, okay, which Paul was previously forbidden, but as we looked at last week, okay, now's the time to go. It's okay for him to be preaching now. A few quick stats. Ephesus was the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire. The population was about a quarter of a million people. Uh, elegant architecture. It actually is known as one of the seventh wonders of the world. And a principal real, it was the principal center of magic uh, for, the, for the ancient world. And magic, defined as any process by which human beings become able to manipulate supernatural power for their own ends. So Ephesus was known as the premier fetish factory of the entire Roman Empire. So fetish, not obsession over something, but a magical object is what it was referring to. Kind of, how many of you guys <clears throat> were into those rabbit feet when you were kids? You ever have those? Yeah, I had all like the fluorescent colors, bright pink, green. Yeah, I had them all. Anyways, it was kind of like that. They believed that there was something special about their objects, something magical. So Ephesus was known for its Ephesian writings, documents that contained spells and formulas to be placed into small cylinders <coughs> or lockets worn about the neck or elsewhere about the person also known as animistic cultures, um, as fetishes. So it was engraved on um, the image of Artemis on Diana's crown, her girdle, feet, uh, magical gibberish, really, um, that was considered to have some great power. Um, are people into that stuff today? Yeah. Um, Angels of Light. Can you guys ever walk into there? Yeah, you want to, you want to, if you're born again of the Spirit of God, you walk in there, you can just feel, man, this is a different spirit. This is demonic. You can just sense it, guys. Um, and it is, you know, people believing a rock will do this or that. It's just a lot of new age, mysticism, bleh. anyways, just steer clear. <laughs> but let's address the first question that comes up here. What baptism did you receive? Okay, so verse 2, the NIV puts it this way. We have not so much as heard whether the Holy Spirit has been given. Okay, I want you guys to turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 33 together. 
So this question, we don't even know about the Holy Spirit. Years ago, you guys know I did youth ministry, love youth ministry. We used to do Life Fest before it was super huge, and we get these camping spots, and we got four spots, and we roped it off, and we had like 30 teens there, um, and we got... Uh, in contact with another group of young kids um, that were, they wanted to hang with us. And the reason they wanted to hang with us, because our youth group, we were having Bible studies like four or five a day. You know, we were taking in the concerts we wanted, but we also let people, hey, we're going to have Bible study time. And these young kids were just hungry. They wanted to know the word. We're having Bible study. And there was this youth group from New London that were just like, hey, you know, you guys just study like you're, we're at this festival and you guys want to take time to be in the Bible. Yeah. So they started hanging out with us and stuff. And within a matter of time, they began to ask questions because we're just studying the scriptures. They had questions specifically about the Holy Spirit. We don't know what you're talking about. This is a church group of kids. They don't know of the Holy Spirit. And it was so cool because we were just walking through John that week. And you guys know you get into John 14, 15, 16. The work of the Holy Spirit's laid out very clearly for the life of a believer. And let me tell you what, these kids just came alive. It was just like, whoa, what is this all about? And that's kind of what we see happen here. Um, in the Gospel of John, the first chapter, verse 33, this is speaking of what, what Jesus is going to do. It says, He who sent me bap, or to baptize with water said to me, so this is John the Baptist, Okay, and God had spoken and said, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So the question comes up in Ephesus, we don't even know about this baptism of the Holy Spirit. What do you, all we know of is this baptism of John, of repentance. So we know from the Gospels that Jesus was to come and when he did, he would be the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Okay, It is him that does that. So John's baptism thus is John's disciples, as we saw in the scriptures. Some also say Apollos would have been a part of that. If you look back to chapter 18 in Acts, verse 25, that's why some people think that would have been also including Apollos. But it's really in the name of was the issue. In the name of. So John's baptism was in the name of repentance, right? Awaiting the Messiah to come. That was John's baptism. Jesus' baptism is in the name of the Lord Jesus, also otherwise known as a believer's baptism. So some can get their theology twisted in a Gordian knot on the order and the timing of these baptisms. Um, instead of untying it, um, I would rather just take out a sword this morning. Just We're done. Go home. There it is. But <laughs> we got to take the time and work it out. And it's going to take some time to understand, okay, these questions, they matter. <laughs> They're laid out in the scriptures by the Holy Spirit for a reason. What baptism did you receive? That's a pretty important thing if God's going to address it. And that's a question we have to ask ourselves. So what did you receive? Make sure, whatever, you receive all. <laughs> that's the one word I really want to share with you guys. Receive all that God has to offer you. I don't know about this baptism of the Holy Spirit. I got dunked when I was a baby. 
You know, well, the Bible doesn't talk about babies getting dunked. The Bible talks about, hey, you need to believe in Jesus Christ personally. Then you get baptized, and there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to receive all God has for us, amen? Whatever it is, that's my encouragement to us this morning. Let's receive well. Let's receive all that he has. Uh, Let's turn to Luke. You guys got to see this passage because it's too good. I hope you have little hearts next to it in your Bible. It's circled, highlighted in multiple colors. Uh, I love it because it really speaks into this point. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. I hope you're familiar with it. I hope you know the context of it. But it says here, if you then being evil, okay? He's speaking to us. We're evil. We think we're good, okay? There's even a whole bunch of lies out there that good people go to heaven. They need to read their Bibles. <laughs> Bible doesn't teach that. In churches that teach that, they need to close their doors and they need to stop speaking because they are lying to people and there are so many people that think they're okay with God because they're doing good. No, the Bible says none do good, no, not one. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all have gone astray, guys. There's none that seek God. None of us. That's why we need a Savior. If we could do it ourselves, there's no point for God to become a man and die on a cross. He died in vain. It's pointless. But people can't even be logical in reason. Leave me alone. Don't talk to me about needing a Savior. I'm good. (laughs) No, you're not. You're believing a lie, and you're going to end up in hell forever because you've been lied to and you've held to it and you're telling others, you're telling your kids the same lies because you won't read, you won't seek, you won't reason, you won't ask the questions, you won't be logical. So let's be logical together. (laughs) If we are children of God, okay? It says, if then being evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father, if he's our dad, and he's a good dad. How much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You just need to ask. Some people think, well, I need to do this, and need to do that. I need to get my life straight. I need to get it all together, and then I'll be ready. I'll be clean enough to receive the Holy Spirit and live for the Lord. That's so backwards, guys. You come to faith messed up, jacked up, dirty, filthy, evil, wicked, sinful. And what does God do? He gives you a new spirit. He forgives a new slate. Your sins are white as snow. It's beautiful. That's what our God does. He does it. We can't do it. 2 Corinthians 5.21, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. You come to faith in Christ, all things become new. He gives you a new heart. I love it. That's the working of the Holy Spirit, guys. And we need to do what? Just ask. We don't have to work for it. We just ask. But I also want you guys to understand the context of this verse because context is so important when you're studying Scripture. In the context, they were asking, Jesus, teach us to pray, right? Okay, then be persistent in prayer. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, right? That's what we do. You keep doing it. Whatever God has, receive all that he has, okay? When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know why I asked? Because I saw other people who had it. I'm like, I love Jesus. I know I'm saved. But man, they're walking in victory. They're walking in power. They are witnesses for Jesus. I want to do that for you, Lord. I never led a person to Jesus Christ. I get baptized in the Spirit, and within a month or two, I've led about 20 people to Jesus. What changed? 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there was an empowering that took place in my life. You need to ask. And in that, my heart was stirred. I began to read the scriptures. I began to read of all these different gifts that God has for his kids. I began to pray. The least of the gifts is tongues. Well, if it's the least, God, can I have that? Well, it didn't happen. I asked again. It didn't happen. I kept asking and asking and asking. Lord, I have a hard time praying. If you gave me the gift of tongues, I could have some help. <laughs> it would be a little easier. You know? It was about eight months of just praying. You know? Be persistent. Keep asking. Okay? We'll deal with that a little bit of the gifts. I didn't want to get ahead of myself. But it's just a point. There's things that God has. Ask. And really, the million-dollar question is, are you living today as if Pentecost had never taken place? Most people who call themselves Christians would say, yep, (laughs) there is no baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is no power of the Holy Spirit. There is no reality of God working in my life in that way. I just do my thing the best I can, and he's there doing his thing. Read the Bible. Second question that's laid out here is, what training did you receive? Look at verse 8. And he went into the synagogue, and he spoke boldly for three months. Again, this is now Paul's third missionary journey. He has been going for it, being beat up for sharing the gospel, but that doesn't stop him. I think he even died once. <laughs> I'd rose him to dead, or from the dead. He goes right back to the same people that you know, stoned him. Hey, guys, I'm back. Here we go. Anyways, he is now in the synagogues. He's, he does this on a regular basis, and he's speaking boldly still for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way, that's referring to Christians, before the multitude, he departed from them and he withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So three months in the synagogue, and then two years uh, in Tyrannus's school uh, daily at lunch break. Okay, And I love this. It's interesting to me that Paul demonstrates flexibility in method here. He rents a lecture hall of a pagan teacher to be able to, to share the word of God, to make disciples. I think that's pretty cool. Okay, there's a movement about 30 years ago where churches uh, were, were beginning to rent out you know, old bars or storefronts and the traditional church is, what are you doing? You can't do that. God won't honor that. You know, Read your Bible. What did the Apostle Paul do to make disciples? You know, hey, cool. If you guys want to meet in a movie theater <laughs> to be able to learn the word, it doesn't matter where. You learn the word. I told the guys, six years up in the jail doing you know, two, three Bible studies a week, I told the guys every single Bible study, hey, we're having church right now. Even though we're in a place that you're incarcerated, you're doing time, you're in jail, guess what? We are gathering together in the name of Jesus. This is his time. This is church, you know? And we always thank God for our government providing a building, a place for us to do it. <laughs> you know, God's ways are so cool. But anyways, I just, I appreciate Paul, the flexibility that he had here. Uh, the Western text of the Greek New Testament tells us that Paul taught from, uh, from the fifth hour. So that would be from 11 a.m. to 4 o'clock 
uh, every single day. And the, the Ephesians kept a very strict siesta. Okay, A lot of us just think, why were they doing that over there? Don't just the Mexicans do that? No, I, I, my wife and I got to spend a lot of time in Europe and almost every country did siestas. They took a two, three hour break every single day, just downtime, taking a meal, see the family, grab a nap, go back to it. And then a lot of the European countries, they had a nightlife. Why don't we have a nightlife? You know, We have evening events or Bible studies. A lot of you just don't come up because I'm wiped. <laughs> been a long day you know but that's what i love when i see these guys what god was doing in the early church here um it's really the clearest example i see so far in the book of acts of formalized leadership training okay the new testament is laying out hey this is how it looks guys instead of going home and taking their naps having their siesta they're gonna skip all that to do what go study the word of god to be trained I love it. So obviously, different from ordinary teaching of house churches or even teaching in the synagogues, these men were willing to give up, okay, whatever to train in order to train, okay? Do you desire to be used by the Lord? You need training. Are you willing to make the sacrifices to make that happen? Are you willing to get up extra early to put in the study? Are you willing to take the time to listen to some podcasts, some teachings, to read, to study, to pray, to get together, as we talked about last week, being discipled, discipling others. You grow a lot by discipling others too, guys. So Paul wrote 1 Corinthians while he was uh, here. Uh, so I guess the question is, what training have you had? Are you self-taught? Are you Sunday morning taught? Home study taught? Maybe you listen to radio or podcast, taught, maybe Bible college, maybe seminary. Maybe you'll take a season out and be part of the discipleship school that we're going to open one day soon. Next question. What gift did you receive? So this is the third question. We see this is in verses 11 and 12. Let's read. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchief aprons uh, were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and evil spirits went out of them. So handkerchiefs, sweat rags, cloth, worn around the head, whatever, just to remove sweat, apron worn by working men. Yet we see God appointed them as his tools to change lives. You know, I read this, this is kind of strange. I think it's really strange. I don't know how many of you guys got those in the mail. You get a little apron mailed to you or something. <laughs> Take this out, you know, put your head on it, pray on it, and God will do this or that. I'm like, really? This is lame. Anyways, um, <laughs> I'm not saying God can't do that stuff, but I know the ministries that sent these things, they're just trying to get your money, you know. Um, God can do, and he'll use things, and we see that. I want to lay out a little bit for you how God works. I want to go to 1 Corinthians 12 with you, and then we'll take a look at a passage in Romans. But first one, I want to look through a list that's given to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 concerning the different spirituals or the different gifts that are given to the church. So 1 Corinthians 12. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Pastor, do we really need to turn here and look at these gifts? Yeah, 
Why? Because God says, I don't want you to ignore these things. And the reality is the majority of the church ignores these things. The majority of the Christian church says the gifts that are laid out here in God's word aren't even for us today. It was only for these guys back in the book of Acts, the early church. Okay? No, the Bible says not to ignore. And when, if, if God says that, do you think we should probably take heed and pay attention? I would say so. So it's pretty important to go here, especially in the context of what we're reading about in Acts. So concerning these gifts, do not be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to those dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now verse 4 says there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversity of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for what? The profit of all. Not just for that individual, but for the whole church. Now jump it down to verse 11. It says, But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Okay? It says, God sees fit, he will gift. Okay? There's one other list I want to consider before t- hitting on this. Turn to Romans chapter 12 with me for a moment. So we're told not to ignore. Okay? God gives these different gifts to the body for a purpose. Now as we consider gifts, what's the one thing that we have to do with a gift, guys? We got to receive it. Okay? Because we can't share it until we actually receive it. I do believe there are gifts that God has for me. I believe there's gifts that God has for each and every one of you guys that you have not yet received. Okay? Why do I believe that? Show me in Scripture. Okay? Well, I see that He gives as He wills. Maybe you have learned to receive well and you have received all that God has for you. Great, write a book. I want to read about it. <laughs> I have, at least in my nature, in, in the way I do things because of sin and self and pride, I know there's times I don't receive all that God has because I get caught up into my own anxieties or own things, chaos. <laughs> and God wants us to receive well. And I know he wants to give because it's in his nature, Right? God so loved the world that he did what? He gave, okay? He's, he, he gave us eternal life. But that gift needs to be what? Received. He has these gifts that we just read about, but what do they have to do? Be received. Now, I want to read at a list that we find in Romans 12. Look at verse 6. Having then gifts differing, okay? According to grace that is given to us. So these these uh, gifts, they're according to God's grace. They can't be earned. Okay? He gives as he wills. Say, well, I want this gift or that gift. You, know? you can't do anything to earn that, to make it happen. God gives. It's his, of his grace. And it tells us here, it's given to us. And let us use them, right? If prophecy, let us prophesy in portion to our faith. Or ministry, let it use or use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives in liberality. 
He who leads with all diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Okay? I read this list, and it's a little hard for me as a pastor because I feel like everybody expects me to have all these giftings. And the reality is I read this list, I don't have all these gifts. I have a few of them. But sometimes, guys, we need to step back and just realize we are the body of Christ. God has given us all different gifts. Am I using the gift God's given to me? If he's called me to teach, am I teaching? Well, no, I'm not. Pastor, it's because you're teaching this morning. No, if you have the gift of teaching, you teach. Okay? Before I ever stood behind a pulpit and taught, I taught a lot of home Bible studies. <laughs> I taught children's ministry. Wherever there was an opportunity to teach the Word of God, I did it. You do it. If you have the gift of exhortation, that's a hard thing for us to do because we don't want to offend people, right? Okay? Well, if we come and exhort them, they might take it the wrong way. I just want to encourage them and see them built up. I mean, that's the purpose of exhortation, right? You know, but they might take it the wrong way. No, if you have it, use it, <laughs> okay? God's giving you that gift, and we need people to speak into our lives in those ways. So he gives us another list here, okay? We need to be faithful. <laughs> Receive all that God has, and then to use those gifts. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let's go back now to Acts. We're going to look at the fourth question. I'm sorry, I, I feel like I could expound on each one of these points. There's so much more that could be said. Uh, but I do want to get through the five questions that are laid before us here this morning. Uh, the fourth one says, what did Jesus, or what Jesus did you receive? And I think that's probably the most important question. Verse 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, they took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish uh, chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was le uh, leapt on them, overpowered them, and they prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I like that, guys. <laughs> You'll see why in a second. But anyways, they deserved it. Uh, this became known both to all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So, a Jesus you've heard of before or a Jesus you know personally and intimately. Because we need to be careful of second-hand Jesuses. Okay, do you guys get that? You either know him personally or you know him second-hand. Well, my husband's saved. That's why I'm here. Or mom and dad were believers. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of like a grandbaby of God's. No, God doesn't have grandchildren, okay? You're either his son or daughter, period. What matters is that you personally know him. Um, if you watch a lot of medical shows, like the television show ER, I don't know if that's still on. Um, that's one that I grew up on. Um, you know, I, I can say I know a lot about uh, subdural hematosis or fibrillators or different type of medications, well, I don't really know about them at all, <laughs> but I have a secondhand knowledge of them, 
okay, about life in a hospital, in an emergency room. So secondhand knowledge is good, it's helpful, it's interesting, but it's no substitute for firsthand knowledge and experience. Okay? You need to know the Lord personally. And it says here in the name of, so that's really was the issue here. In John 14, 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Mark 16, 17, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. Okay? Really? That's really going to happen? Well, I'm so glad we don't deal with demons today, right? Um, one of my favorite stories, um, because the experience firsthand, okay, um, it's good. Uh, but a secondhand story I'd like to share with you. Um, uh, one of my teachers when I was in Bible college, Mike uh, Madigan, did any of you guys have him that went to Bible college? Mike Madigan, he taught the Matthew class, you did? I liked, I liked him a lot, good brother. He's home with the Lord. I don't know if you knew that. He had a heart attack and he, well, yeah, he went home to be with the Lord. Um, but yeah, he, he pastored a church and he'd come in once a week and, and teach at the Bible college and neat brother. But he was sharing um, in Southern California, there's a, there's a big mountain called Twin Peaks um, and they have a, a conference center up there and they were having a pastor's conference. Well, just down the road from there was a, a Lutheran church and there was a couple that were having some marital issues and they came in to see the pastor and they sat down with the pastor um, and they began to share some of their problems. Well, the pastor began to speak of Jesus. Well, the, the wife, who's any, like maybe over five foot tall from what Mike told, told us, little petite woman, um, begins to manifest. She's demon-possessed, okay? So I, I, I can just imagine probably what the husband's going, you know, thinking, well, no wonder we're having problems, you know? He had never seen, he's freaking out. He, ne- he didn't know what was going on with his wife, you know? Well, what ended up happening, this little lady jumps over the desk at the pastor. He runs out into the sanctuary area. She goes running into the sanctuary. Petite little woman, okay, grabs the first pew in the row, which is anchored to the floor, throws the whole thing up and over. He runs out the front door and locks it, calls the police, okay? The police show up. I guess they're holding her. The Lutheran pastor is trying to do everything he knows to do. You know, and one of the police officers is like, hey, there's a pastor's conference going on right now just down the street and stuff. So they sent one of the cops down there. And uh, Mike was one of the guys, my Bible college teacher. He went down there with three other guys. Raul Reese was one of them, and Mike McIntosh was one of the other guys that was with them. Mike McIntosh walks in. There's four officers holding this gal on the floor. She's just wailing like crazy, overpowering them and stuff. Uh, the the uh, Lutheran pastor's trying to exercise the demon, bring it out. Mike walks in, and he just says, out of her now in the name of Jesus. Done, just like that. You know, and it makes you think about a passage like this. Because, hey, who are these guys who come in and just, in the name of Jesus, okay? In the name of Jesus, come out. The Jesus of Paul, okay? There's this reality that God has given to us as God promised here in Mark 16, 17. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. That is something that's going to happen. Was demon possession real? Does that really happen? Absolutely, guys. We talked before about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, I was just turning 19 when I got baptized in the Spirit. I never seen anybody that was demon-possessed. Within a month of me getting baptized in the Spirit, man, eyes were open to a little bit of realities and truths I didn't see before. Go on a youth retreat, four students, demon-possessed. Like, holy cow, what's going on? What is this all about? Doing jail ministry, I've had people manifest on me. It's a very real thing. Why don't we see more of it happening? Some of you guys have been to Haiti with me. We see witch doctors. We see people who are demon-possessed just walking around. It's a norm. But you know, here in America, we're teaching our kids what? There is no God, right? Nothing blew up. We're just a byproduct of this evolutionary thing. Load of crap. There is a God. Spiritual things are real. (laughs) They are realities. But Satan's really good at what he does. What do you think if people were manifesting like crazy around us? I know people are demon-possessed, but what if that would be taking place? Do you think people would start coming to church? I want answers about this. There's supernatural things going on. What is this? Okay, Satan knows what he's doing. Anyways, the point here is, um, let me give you guys an example, okay? Um, Ambassadors, they do not go to other countries in their own names, right? Okay, they go in the name of the President of the United States. And only those designated by the President can use his name effectively. So if I went to a foreign country and announced, hey, I've come in in the name of the President of the United States, you know what they would do? They would laugh at me. (laughs) You're a joke, okay? You see, that's exactly what happened to the sons of Sceva here. They didn't know Jesus. They didn't believe in him. So the name of Jesus is no magic formula like the Ephesian writings. The, son, or the seven sons of Sceva, fake exorcists who claimed to be the sons of Sceva, who they declared to be the high priest. So no such priest ever existed according to reliable records. Um, so they had no formula, no talisman, no rabbit foot, just an ex- except a stolen one. That's all they had. So Jesus had not authorized the seven sons of Sceva to use his name, and therefore the power was absent. And in the end times, some will come, and they will say, have we not cast out demons in your name? And he will respond, I never knew you. Okay, the point is, do you know Jesus firsthand? Have you received him? That's eternal life. It doesn't matter if you go to church. It doesn't matter if you know about Jesus Do you know him personally? Do you really know him? That's the thing I care about most in this world. Do people know Jesus? I don't care if you go to church or not. (laughs) I want to make sure you know Jesus. You know, I'm pretty sure my boys are born again. I'm pretty sure. But one of the days this week going to school, I just had a real conversation. Do you guys really know Jesus? Your dad's a pastor. You go to church. You're going to a Christian school. I want to know that you guys really know him. Can you share with me how you know? Like, I care as a dad. I want to make sure my kids know the Lord. And that's something we should care about. We care about our loved ones, and we should care about all mankind because this is our Father's heart, is that all would come to know him. So these guys, they bypass the Lord's authentic power, and they imitated Paul's method. But not even demons, you know. Demons, these guys knew a cheap substitute. You know, it's like, hey, Paul we know. (laughs) Jesus we know, but who are you? You know? 
So because they used the Lord's name in vain, the seven sons opened themselves up to ferocious spiritual backlash that they would not soon forget. Beaten up, stripped, and chased out of the house naked. Um, that is a reality. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. This is, what are we doing? We're talking about these things taking place in Ephesus. This witchcraft going on. And I love when Paul wrote his letter to the Ephesian church, he actually talks about these spiritual things going on. So the spiritual warfare that was taking place in Ephesus, let's look at chapter 6, verse 12, for it says to us who are believers, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay? Okay. Let me tell you what, if you have an encounter with a demon, beating them up is not going to do a thing. Okay, a person who's possessed by a demon, that ain't going to help them at all. Okay, they need to be delivered. They need to be set free. They need to come into faith in Christ Jesus. Um, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, okay, demons, fallen angels, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So that's why the book of Ephesians contains uh, substantially higher consideration about um, warfare theology, okay, or terminology laid out for you and I than any of the other epistles that Paul ever wrote. Do you understand? These things were taking place in Ephesus. It was a normal thing. I could see this being written to the island of Haiti. You guys ever wonder why they're the poorest country on the side of the world? Why they're so messed up, Okay. They keep dedicating their island to Satan. You do that, you're going to reap the consequences of it, okay? Satan is alive, okay? His minions are at work. So, we fight a spiritual war. We need to discern that, okay? There's a battle going on, and there's times where we need to engage. God's going to impress. Hey, now's the time to pray. It's time to get on your knees. It's time to call brothers and sisters together to pray, okay? God does things. I saw through the years there were certain things when I was doing the chaplaincy early on in the jail. There were just some doors that were closed, some things coming against us, and it was hard. We were trying this, trying that, doing this, doing that. And finally, it's just like, hey, volunteers, I sent out an email this Monday night. We're going to pray at the Freedom Center specifically for this. Please show up. We prayed that week. Guess what? Everything we were praying for happened. God opened the doors and it wasn't me going and asking and trying and doing anymore. They came to us. Here, you guys can do this. It's like, okay, Lord, thank you. And there's times that Satan comes against a work or what God's children are doing and we need to engage. We need to pray. Satan wants to what? Instill fear into us. He wants us to, fear makes us run, doesn't it? We're not to run, okay? We as Christians, we need to engage Okay? We are living in the last days. Satan knows it, and he's trying to take down as many people with him as possible. Now's the time to engage. Now's the time to get trained. Make sure that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Make sure that you know the Lord. Okay, Men, come to the men's retreat. Okay? We, need, uh, we need to be trained. We need to be ready. So let's look at our last one for this morning. Uh, what freedom did you receive? This is not talking about freedom fellowship. I, I believe our church is a gift. I enjoy our, our, our church family. Um, but here, it, it speaks into verse 18 through 20 for us 
in regards to this question of what freedom did you receive. It says, And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic, they brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. And so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Yes, take your highlighter out. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. I love it! Have you guys been catching that as we've been going through Acts? Okay, every time the word of God goes forth, man, people are getting saved, things are happening, the church is growing, and here we see people turning to Christ, and what are they doing? Hey, we're getting rid of our junk. Right? So book burning to the tune of $4 million today. Think about that. That's a lot of books. Okay? But isn't that book burning kind of archaic, Pastor? Well, let's call it emptying your closet then. (laughs) Right? Getting rid of your junk. What needs to get thrown away? What do you need to walk away from? Who do you need to walk away from? Remove yourself from sinful situations, okay? Get them far from you and burn it on the bonfire of God's altar. Here it goes, okay? So they burned magic books. What do you have to destroy by fire? What do you need to get rid of? Maybe you need to flush some pills. Maybe you need to cancel a channel on cable that you pay for. Maybe you need to find another job. Maybe it's time to finally take those credit cards and cut them up. Maybe it's time to send someone else to the grocery store to do the grocery shopping. Maybe you need to sell your car. Maybe you need to take care of those collections that have engulfed your life. And really, it's a freeing thing to release your worldly attachments, your worldly souvenirs, your preoccupation with them. It is very freeing. I worked a lot as a young kid, as a teen. I always had jobs growing up, and I loved music. I loved music a lot. I spent a lot. Back then, children, we had these things called CDs. I even am so old, I used to buy cassette tapes. (laughs) Okay, some of you guys are like, that's nothing. Have you heard of the record? (laughs) Vinyl, eight tracks, right? (laughs) But anyways, I spent... So much money. That's all I worked for. I was going and buying CDs. I loved music. And shortly after I was baptized in the Spirit, it was nothing. I didn't hear this sermon. I didn't hear a pastor say, hey, you need to have a bonfire. (laughs) The Lord put it on my heart. You just need to burn all your music. This is a stronghold in your life. This is keeping me from you, keeping me from you you doing what I'm asking you to do. And I remember going out to Cassie Earp's house. Some of you guys know her out in New London. We went out there because she had a huge fire pit. We lit it up. I brought over 500 CDs. Burned them all. Lord, I'm done. They're yours. And I had such a neat season of now buying music that glorified God. (laughs) Christ exalting worship music. My heart changed. The way I thought about things changed. You don't know how much junk you take in until it's gone. You don't know that. You know, and one of those things, guys, you know, I've gone back several times through the years to some of that old music. You know, it's like, I've grown grown in the Lord. I'm strong. I'm at liberty. I just really enjoy their music. Man, listening to it, I just can tell just how it affects my soul. It really brings me down. 
you know. And honestly, I listen to very little secular music. There's some I do listen to, you know. But I'm able to discern, like spirit discerns spirit. And there's just some stuff, guys, that's just of the world that's going to take you down. And God may have you to get rid of it. Just get rid of it. If you guys want, next week before service, we can have a charcoal grill outside or something. If you guys want to bring stuff that God may ask you, hey, you just need to burn it. You need to get rid. If you want to do that, let me know. We'll get a fire before church starts next week and bring your stuff and we'll have a good old burning right here at Freedom Fellowship. Just make sure it's small enough to fit in the fire. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll have to go out to the farm or something and throw it on Mark's big pile. <laughs> so, uh, wrapping this up, guys. The bonfire, it's painful, it's costly, but it's also freeing and it's gloriously life-changing. So, these guys, they bypass the Lord's authentic power. They imitated Paul's methods. Um, does this describe anyone's spirituality today? Probably does for some. You've been trying to impersonate a Christian but it doesn't seem to be working. You're coming to church. You're doing the things. You're leading the family in your own power, <laughs> doing your best, but it's just not working the way it should. Well, you're missing the power, guys. That's what's going on. You're missing the power. See, I might not be able to tell you how many calories are in a mouse, but I can tell you the important questions. Which Jesus did you receive? What freedoms did you receive from this relationship? What gifts did you receive from him? What training are you receiving? And are you missing any baptisms? So Father, we thank you so much for how often, I think is every time, <laughs> how your word invites us in to be brutally honest, to be real, to address the things that really matter in this life. And we're thankful for that. We're thankful this morning, God, for these questions that are laid out here in the beginning of Acts 19 and, and just how we see the importance, Lord, of grasping the gospel, of truly knowing you, God, and and in that, you being our good, loving, heavenly Father who loves to give, God, that we would be those who love to receive. We are a prideful people. God, we have a hard time taking from others or receiving. I pray that you teach us humility. God, that our arms truly would be wide open to receive all that you you want to give or that you desire for us and that we would be faithful with those gifts. God, because we know they're not really for ourselves. They're, they're for loving others, for serving others, for bringing you glory. And that's what we desire more than anything because you deserve it. You're a good dad. You are the savior of the world. You are our creator. And we're here for you. So please, God, help us to be in that place. Lord, to receive well for your glory. Amen? Amen. Amen.